The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome. I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith. And you are listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety and simultaneously being broadcast to the folks at Project Freedom Radio Network. If you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at LeahBrandaSmith.com or on Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio and also my personal page, which is LeahBrandaSmith.com. Well, not .com, .facebook, I guess. At any rate, today I'm really pleased to bring this topic uh, about increasing your mental and emotional health. And just when I was listening to the opening of the show and the recovering your common sense and coming back to your senses, you know, that's something that we're really doing on a regular basis, moment to moment, whether we're aware of it or not. And that, I suppose you can see a great correlation between that and trying to maintain our emotional and mental equilibrium. You know, recently I had the pleasure of attending the 10th Annual Inspiration Awards Gala for the Royal Ottawa, which is a mental health center here in Ottawa where I live. It was a very warm and enjoyable evening, you know, with the things you like, good food, great entertainment, There was even an after-hours live band and dancing in a venue that overlooked a fabulous view of the city. So as far as I'm concerned, it was certainly well worth donning a cocktail dress and heels to be part of this community event. The Inspiration Awards, they're really about recognizing not only the passion of people that are committed to helping others, but the determination to triumph through hardship the courage to speak up, and the community support to break down the stigma that's often associated with mental illness. Now that evening, the awards that were given marked an opportunity to acknowledge individuals that are not merely surviving with a mental illness, but have triumphed and found ways to thrive through their efforts in dissolving barriers, dispelling myths, educating the public, leading support groups, and also encouraging others to engage in a treatment plan so that they too can find their equilibrium and thrive as an individual living with a mental illness. You know, for myself, it was really an inspirational evening. 
and the evening is what prompted me to talk about this topic, to dispel some myths. I'm going to share some inspirational ideas and provide you with some easy-to-follow approaches to help you maintain your own mental and emotional well-being. Right out of the starting gate, it's I think it's really important to acknowledge that mental imbalance is a universal condition that we all experience from time to time. At some point in life, everyone goes through a cycle or repeated cycles of grappling to balance their mental and emotional wellness. It really is simply just a natural part of the experience of living. And all the labels and the conditions are really about trying to understand the phenomena of mental illness. They are not just there for the sake of labeling people and attaching stigma to diseases, but really it's an attempt to understand mental illness so that treatments and medication can be developed and prescribed to help balance out the mental-emotional energy within an individual. Then once balance is restored, people are often able to resume not only the functions of daily living, but can continue to thrive and enjoy life. At its most simple level, mental illness stems from imbalances in brain chemistry. It's not based on character, although you may find certain character traits that seem to go hand-in-hand with specific illnesses. And many people report losing their enthusiasm for living. They feel flatline. Nothing inspires them. And even the things that they once felt quite passionate about can lose their appeal. Yet often this is a random cyclical occurrence that goes hand-in-hand commonly with depression. And once the depressive episode passes, then the enthusiasm for life returns. There are a variety of medications that are used for a variety of illnesses. And not all the medications work for all the people. It's not uncommon to go through a lengthy process with your physician in determining which medication you are more compatible with and which dose you are best suited for. A very, very high percentage of people with mental illness are able to get the help they need from treatment and medication and then are able to return to a comfortable level of mental and emotional harmony. Yet often erratic cycles and difficulty arises when individuals decide that they're feeling great. They feel happy and well-adjusted. They're able to function and they're enjoying life again. So they stop taking their medication. Then before long, the symptoms return. The person with the mental illness is short-sighted in their assessment by not factoring in that is that it is the medication that has helped to stabilize their mood and thought processes. And that's why they are feeling so great. 
The bottom line for many people suffering with a mental illness is the need to follow the treatment plan of their physician and stay with their medications. There is, however, that small, very small percentage of people that are not able to stabilize on medication and need to work more closely with their physician, often needing to switch their medication as the efficacy of their medication fluctuates from time to time, often without any predictable pattern or warning. Now, there's a very good resource book by James Hicks. It's called 50 Signs of Mental Illness, A Guide to Understanding Mental Illness. And it's one of the books that the university, the Yale University Press Health and Wellness books, it's on their list of books that they produce. And here's some information from that resource that can, that can really shed light and can clear up some of the confusion and stigma associated with this vast area of human experience. Now, annually, one-third of the population experiences something that challenges their mental and emotional health. And symptoms can range from very mire, nerve, short bouts of anxiety or grief, brought on by an increase in stress, to more powerful and painful and debilitating symptoms. Scientists don't really know exactly what it is that causes mental illness. Yet, like cancer, it can strike anyone at any time and has a variety of causes. Now, scientists are clear that a certain genetic vulnerability plays a role in many mental illnesses because the risks of becoming ill is greater if you have a close relative who suffers from depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, anxiety, alcoholism, or other disorders. However, there has been no specific gene isolated to be the determining factor in mental illness. Even identical twins who have the same genetic makeup do not always develop the same mental illnesses. There is, however, consensus that stress plays a role in most mental illness. So even if you have a genetic vulnerability, the illness might not develop unless something disturbs your equilibrium. The loss of an important relationship through divorce is one of the more serious stresses to the mind. And sometimes people become mentally ill after experiencing extraordinary danger. Yet serious mental illness can also appear out of the blue without any obvious warning signs or stressful situations or even knowing that there is a predisposition towards mental illness. Almost half the population has a family member or close friend that is living with some form of mental illness that's affecting their mood and really every other aspect of their daily life. And unfortunately still, the stigma that's attached to mental illness, this prevents many people from seeking help. 
frequently there is a significant overlapping of the symptoms of mental illness, which is why so often people are initially misdiagnosed. You know, it's not uncommon for people with bipolar disorder or manic depression to see several physicians over a period of years before receiving a correct diagnosis and proper treatment. As well, if you feel anxiety a lot of the time, you may have depression, obsessive-compulsive disorder, panic disorder, a drug or alcohol problem, or some other type of underlying illness. Depression is amongst the most common of all the mental illnesses and is the major cause of medical disability in North America. Rates of suicide are as high as 1 in 10 for schizophrenia, 1 in 6 for depression, and 1 in 5 for bipolar disorder. The very good news with all of this is that mental health problems are treatable. And for many decades, people have been treated successfully with medications for a variety of illnesses, like depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. And the antidepressant medications are amongst the most effective medications. The majority of these the majority of the people that take these types of medications respond very well within just a few short weeks. And people with other types of mental illness also tend to improve within a similar span of time once they start taking medication. So there are effective treatments for most health mental health imbalances. Many people also suffering with a variety of illnesses respond very well to psychotherapy. And during the sessions, a trained professional talks you through a process that it helps you to make changes in your outlook, feelings, choices, thoughts, and behaviors. Yet still, I think generally speaking, people tend to think that our minds are independent of the body and the effects of the medication. But our thoughts and feelings and perceptions of the world, all of this is generated by processes that are continuously occurring in your brain. And just like other parts of the body, the brain also experiences stress. We all experience these cycles of stress. And for the most part, we come back to our senses. We come back into balance through rest, through sharing with family or friends, by prayer, increased attention to self-care, the use of spiritual practices, the passing of time, or some combination of all of these things. Yet it's important to realize that the brain, like other organs in the body, can become sick and require medical treatment in order to recover. For the most part, people understand that there are medical explanations and treatments available for the emotional and physical pain that we experience when we're out of balance. And when people seek treatment, and usually only about half do, 
they tend to turn to their primary care physician. And unfortunately, physicians often misdiagnose and undertreat psychiatric symptoms simply because it's not their area of expertise. And they can miss the signs and symptoms that may indicate the need for a consult with a trained professional in the mental health field. So a symptom is a medical complaint, like a chest pain or a feeling, you know, feeling sad. A sign is an abnormal finding by your doctor, which you may or may not be aware of, like high blood pressure or rapid speech. And a syndrome is a collection of signs and symptoms that typically occur together, but which can be seen in several different illnesses. You know, a good example of this is with pneumonia. It's a syndrome that typically includes a cough and breathing difficulty and fever, but it can be caused by several different germs. Mania and psychosis can occur in several illnesses, yet they are most often linked to bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. And depression can refer to both a symptom and a syndrome when sadness is combined with changes in energy, sleep, and appetite. So psychiatrists have classified the wide range of mental imbalances into several disorders. And none of these disorders can be diagnosed exclusively on the basis of laboratory tests or other physical findings. And because of this, the psychiatrists have reached a consensus based on their clinical experience and research about the signs and the symptoms that are required in order to make a specific diagnosis. And most of these illnesses have been described and diagnosed for decades, some of them even centuries. And here's a list and a brief description of major categories that are used for the purpose of diagnosis and treatment that can be helpful. You may know people that are living with these disorders or you yourself may be living with it and there may be a greater opportunity to understand really what it's about. They're just very brief descriptions. The first one being adjustment disorder, which is the temporary emotional reaction to stress, which everyone experiences from time to time. Then anxiety disorders, which include phobias, panic attacks, and disabling worries. Depression. And that affects mood, sleep, appetite, sexual desire, and energy levels. For some people, they experience only some of those symptoms. Some people experience all of those symptoms. Bipolar disorder. Periods of depression alternating with elevated mood and hyperactivity. And schizophrenia includes hallucinations, delusion, and disorganized thinking. Obsessive-compulsive disorder involves intrusive thoughts and repetitive behaviors. Post-traumatic stress disorder 
is a reaction to life-threatening events. Personality disorders include persistent and extreme character styles that often lead to problems when relating to others. Drug and alcohol disorders involve intoxication, addictions, and withdrawal. Physical complaints and worries can be a reflection of psychological difficulties. Sexual disorders include performance problems and unwanted urges and preoccupations. Autism, developmental disabilities, hyperactivity, and other learning disorders that emerge in childhood. And dementia and delirium is memory loss and confusion, which is most common in the elderly. Now that's quite the list. But it's important to keep in mind that there is a wide range of what is considered normal. Even something as apparently disturbing as hearing voices when no one is around may be normal under certain circumstances. And bear in mind that when it comes to personality disorders, shyness, impulsiveness, empathy, grandiosity, moodiness, and other traits also exist on a spectrum. And we all have these traits to some extent. Everyone gets stressed out from time to time, and we all make bad decisions from time to time. That's part of the process of living. I really encourage all of us to resist the temptation to diagnose ourselves based on a cycle that we might be going through during a stressful time where you may have unwanted jealousy or lose your temper or maybe you're just feeling moody or out of control. Because even the oddest, the oddest sorts of behaviors can be normal when you look at a bigger picture of how we manage or tend to not manage the stress levels that can sometimes be a normal part of daily living. So this is especially true if you have a demanding lifestyle with many people relying on you for deadlines and energy and support. So if if you think or you feel that you're experiencing mental health problems, then your best approach is to consult with a professional. Many mental health issues can become exaggerated if they're left untreated, or they can be cyclical and reoccur from time to time. And as well, there can be physical causes that a physician may be able to uncover. In some situations, psychotherapy may be more effective than medication. Other situations, medication would be the preferred treatment approach. And yet, in still other situations, a combination of both types of treatment or other types of therapy may be the key to returning you to mental and emotional equilibrium. You know, general medical doctors are able to make a psychiatric diagnosis and 
prescribe psychiatric medications. However, they just have less experience than psychiatrists in working with patients with a mental illness. So if you have a mild to moderate problem with anxiety, depression, alcoholism, drug or nicotine addiction, then your regular physician may be able to provide you adequate treatment. And if you're just having a bad day or going through a challenging life cycle, which we do sometimes, often the best approach is just to continue to do the normal daily routines of things like, you know, making your bed and taking a shower, brush your teeth, eat something. You could try going outside or sit on the porch, watch kids playing in the neighborhood watching a movie or taking a bath. And really, the, the importance of filling yourself with lots of positive self-talk and reminding yourself that this too shall pass. You know, some people that are living with a mental illness, they really report that the myths and the misunderstandings are related and that many people report that the judgments can be more difficult to deal with than the illness itself. Did you know that approximately 20% of North Americans have a diagnosable mental illness? Yet research shows that only about one-third of these individuals seek treatment. And misconceptions about mental illness contribute to the stigma, which leads many to feel shame which prevents them from seeking help. So now that we've set a good foundation for understanding a little bit more about mental illness, let's look at information from the National Alliance for Research on Schizophrenia and Depression. They conducted a survey amongst mental health professionals and identified the most common myths about mental illness, and here's what they found. Mental disorders are not true medical illnesses like heart disease and diabetes. That's the myth. The fact is that brain disorders like heart disease and diabetes are medical illnesses. And research shows that they are genetic and they are biological causes for psychiatric disorders. And they can all be treated effectively. People with a severe mental illness, such as schizophrenia, are usually dangerous and violent. The fact is that statistics show that the incident of violence in people who have a brain disorder is not much higher than it is in the general population. So those people that suffer from psychosis, such as schizophrenia, are often more frightened, confused, and despairing than they are violent. And the next myth, mental illness is the result of bad parenting. And the facts are that most experts agree that a genetic susceptibility combined with other risk factors leads to a psychiatric disorder. In other words, mental illnesses have a physical cause. 
The next myth, depression results from a personality weakness or character flaw. And people who are depressed could just snap out of it if they tried hard enough. And here are the facts. Depression has nothing to do with being lazy or weak. Depression has nothing to do with being lazy or weak. It results from changes in brain chemistry or brain function. And medication and or therapy often help people to recover. Here's the next myth. Schizophrenia means split personality and there is no way to control it. And here's the facts. Schizophrenia is a brain disorder that robs people of their ability to think clearly and logically. The estimated 2.5 million North Americans with schizophrenia have symptoms ranging from social withdrawal to hallucinations and delusions. And medication has helped many of these individuals to lead fulfilling and productive lives. Here's the next myth. Depression is a normal part of the aging process. And the facts are that depression is not a normal part of aging. Signs of depression in older people include a loss of interest in activities, sleep disturbances, and lack of energy. Depression in the elderly is often, often undiagnosed. And it's important for seniors and their family members to recognize the problem and to seek professional help. Another myth, depression and other illnesses such as anxiety disorders do not affect children or adolescents. Any problems they have are just a part of growing up. And here are the alarming facts. Children and adolescents can develop severe mental illness. In North America, roughly one in every ten children and adolescents has a mental disorder severe enough to cause impairment. However, only about 20% of these children receive the treatment that they need. And when left untreated, these problems can get worse. So anyone talking about suicide at any time should always be taken very seriously. And here's the next myth. If you have a mental illness, you can will it away. Being treated for a psychiatric disorder means an individual has in some way failed or is weak. And the facts are that a serious mental illness cannot be willed away. And ignoring the problem does not make it go away either. It does take courage to seek professional help. And then the last myth that I have here is that addiction is a lifestyle choice and shows a lack of willpower. 
people with substance abuse problems are morally weak or bad. And the facts are that addiction generally results from changes in brain chemistry. It has nothing to do with weakness. And the Center for Addictions and Mental Health offers a real wealth of information on this topic. So there's lots and lots of information on addictions and other mental health illnesses that is available on the net and it's available in everyone's community. It's all there. Just look for it if you need help or encourage your loved ones. Encourage your loved ones to seek out help so that they too can return to a a state of mental and emotional health and well-being. You know, these and other myths and misconceptions about mental illness can cause permanent harm to people with legitimate illnesses. And these are people who can be treated and people who have a right to receive care and treatment. Care and treatment that can lessen and in lots of situations even end their suffering. So I really encourage everyone to be be diligent and be vigilant about supporting supporting anyone that you come across that may be challenged by mental or emotional imbalance. There is help available. Now I mentioned earlier that there are organizations that are doing wonders to help people that are living with mental illness to find ways to express their talents and creativity through the arts. I've had first-hand experience uh, with two such programs, and the first one is the Mukibom uh, Treatment Center in Toronto, who serves people with developmental disabilities and people with mental illness, and also people that have a, a dual diagnosis, which means that they have both a developmental and mental health diagnosis. And they have a program that's called Expressive Art Therapy, And it's a psychotherapeutic modality that uses the arts as its media. So through various art modalities, the person has the opportunity to get in touch with his or her her inner world and work through emotional challenges. The program provides individuals with a means through which to express and communicate their thoughts and feelings in a safe and creative way. They use things like paint and clay, pastel, they do mixed medium, virtual reality, movement, and gestures through dance and drama, listening to music, singing, playing musical instruments, and composing. And the variety of these expressions leads to an expansion of the ability of the people they serve to express their thoughts and feelings their wishes and their desires. Now, emotionally or psychologically disturbing events are experienced on a nonverbal level. And in this way, the expressive art therapies offer individuals a familiar language with which to describe, express, and communicate aspects of difficult events and the impact that these events have on them. And this form of expression facilitates both verbal and nonverbal expressions and at times really helps individuals learn the words that they need in order to label their thoughts and their feelings. 
And at Mookie Bomb Treatment Center in Toronto, there is a gallery on the second floor where the artwork of the individuals from the program is proudly displayed. And they clearly have some very talented artists that are producing really exceptional pieces. And I tell you myself, as an artist, I'm very moved by the artwork that I see from the individuals that are uh, involved in that program. And then the second program that I'm aware of is called Kenafayim Arts Rehabilitation Center in Israel. And it's a unique rehabilitation through art center for qualified artists and adults with high-level artistic abilities who have mental disorders, like what we've been talking about, anxiety, obsessive-compulsive disorder, post-traumatic stress syndrome, schizophrenia, clinical depression. And the mental disorders that they have has caused the individuals to become marginalized in society. So the program strives to better their lives by providing them with a daily framework and a purpose, helping them fulfill the potential and increasing their self-esteem. You know, participants' artistic creations are displayed to the general public at periodic exhibitions, plays, musical performances throughout the country, and this is what enables the artists to feel part of a normative society and to be proud of their abilities. While also, at the same time, they're raising society's awareness of this population and shattering those existing stigmas. Now, the program puts a major emphasis on developing each individual artistic's abilities, the artist's abilities, and it emphasizes that art is used as a tool to help achieve the program's ultimate goal, which is really to help the adults with mental disorders rehabilitate, find purpose in their lives, and become empowered by their achievements. Now, I had the opportunity to see the Kenafayim musicians in action at an international conference on disabilities that I attended in July of 2011. It was sponsored by Abet Izzy Shapiro organization. And the music was all original pieces. It was a collaborative effort on the part of the performing musicians, singers, and poets. Their music and lyrics were so inspiring. All of the content was touching on universal, human universal themes of love and longing and the natural desires that we all feel to fit in and to belong in this world. It was an extremely touching performance by extremely talented young adults. And no doubt there are countless other such programs all over the world that are filling an essential niche of health and wellness for individuals that are living with mental and emotional imbalances. Now, people have naturally gravitated towards expressing their creativity through the performing arts and visual arts throughout history, not just for enjoyment, but for the therapeutic benefits that's available for both the artists and the audience. And admittedly, many of the brilliant artists throughout time have been labeled as mentally and emotionally unbalanced, and for some, their brilliance has been attributed to these same imbalances. Now let's check in with the emotional health 
help guide for some tips. You know, people who are emotionally healthy are in control of their emotions and their behavior. They're able to handle life's challenges, they build strong relationships, and they recover from setbacks. And just like it takes effort to build our physical health, it's also true of our mental and emotional health. And improving your emotional health can benefit all aspects of your life. It boosts your mood and it builds resilience and it can add to your overall enjoyment of life. So let's be clear that mental and emotional health refers to your overall psychological well-being. It includes the way you feel about yourself, the quality of your relationships, and your ability to manage your feelings and deal with difficulties. So good mental health isn't just the absence of mental health problems. Being mentally and emotionally healthy is much more than being free of depression, anxiety, or other types of psychological issues. So rather than the absence of mental illness, mental and emotional health refers to the presence of positive characteristics. Similarly, not feeling bad is not the same as feeling good. And not being unhappy is not the same as being happy. Now, while some people may not have negative feelings, they still need to do things to make them feel positive in order to achieve mental and emotional health. Now, here's just a short list here of attributes to people that are mentally and emotionally healthy. They have a sense of contentment, a zest for living, and the ability to laugh and have fun. The ability to deal with stress and bounce back from adversity. A sense of meaning and purpose in both their activities and in their relationships. The flexibility to learn new things and adapt to change. A balance between work, play, and rest and activity. And the ability to build and maintain fulfilling relationships. Self-confidence and high self-esteem. And I think perhaps one of the things that, generally speaking, people are most challenged by in this list is the balance between work and play and rest and activity. Some of us forget to add the rest and the play part into the work and activity schedule. But you know, all of these positive characteristics of mental and emotional health is what allows people to participate fully in life. So being mentally and emotionally healthy doesn't mean never going through bad times or experiencing emotional problems because we all go through disappointments and loss and change and these things aren't normal parts of life. But they can still cause sadness and anxiety and stress. But the difference is that people with good emotional health have the ability to bounce back from the adversity and the trauma and the stress. And this ability is resilience. People with emotional and mental health have the tools of coping with difficult situations and still maintaining a positive outlook. They remain focused, flexible, and creative in good times as well as in bad times. 
And one of the key factors in resilience is the ability to balance stress and your emotions. The capacity to recognize your emotions and express them appropriately. And that's what helps you avoid getting stuck in depression, anxiety, or other negative mood states. And another factor is having a strong support network. You know, people you can trust, people that you can turn to for encouragement and support that are going to boost your resilience in tough times. Taking care of your body is always a powerful first step towards physical health and mental and emotional health. You know, the mind and the body are linked. So when we improve our physical health, we automatically experience greater mental and emotional well-being. So here's a little list of things to help keep you in balance. Obviously, getting enough rest. Most people need seven to eight hours of sleep to function optimally. And even though the subject of nutrition is complicated and not always easy to put in practice, it's important to learn about what you eat and how it affects your energy and mood. Exercise is a powerful antidote to stress, anxiety, and depression. So look for small ways to add activity into your daily life. Sunlight can lift your mood. So whenever you can, try to get 10 or 15 minutes of sunlight. And then the recommendation is to limit alcohol and avoid cigarettes and other drugs. These are stimulants that may unnaturally make you feel good in the short term, but they do have long-term negative consequences. So it's important to really pay attention to your own needs and feelings. Don't let stress and negative emotions build up. Try to maintain a balance you know, between your daily responsibilities and the things that you enjoy. Because if you take care of yourself, you'll be better prepared to deal with the challenges when they rise up. You know, being useful to others and being valued for what you do helps build your self-esteem. And self-control leads to a sense of hopefulness, which can help you to overcome despair. And learning to discover new things, because you could think of it as uh, intellectual candy. We need that. We need that stimulation for our brain. And enjoying beauty and nature can go a long way in keeping yourself balanced emotionally and mentally. Stress can take a big toll on you. And even though we can't avoid all stresses, stress management strategies can help you come back into balance. You want to avoid becoming absorbed by those repetitive mental habits. You know, those negative thoughts about yourself and the world that we get stuck in sometimes that drain our energy and trigger feelings of anxiety. Stay calm and energized by appealing to your five senses, like listening to the music that lifts your mood or putting flowers somewhere where you can see them and smell them. Even massaging your hands and feet or having a warm drink can soothe you. And doing things that challenge your creativity and make you feel productive. For some people, having a pet is a great idea. It's responsibility, but caring for... A pet 
can help you to feel needed and the unconditional love they get cannot be measured with anything else. And making leisure time a priority is really important. Doing things for no other reason than they feel good, that's really exceptional. It plays a really important part to your mental and emotional balance. And then really to make time for contemplation and appreciation. Think about things you're grateful for. Time to meditate, to pray, to enjoy the sunset. Or just to take a moment to pay attention to what's good and positive and beautiful around you in your day. Everyone's different and not all things will be equally beneficial to all people. Some people feel better relaxing and slowing down while others need more activity and more excitement or more stimulation to feel alive and to feel better. So the most important thing is to find the activities that you enjoy and the activities that give you a boost. You know, what is that for you? What is it that's going to make the difference? So just before we come to the end of the show for today... I just make a few comments here about that, you know, your emotional and mental health continues to shape your experiences and early childhood experiences have a real significance on that and genetic and biological factors can also play a big role. But all of this can be changed as well. So, you know, some of those risk factors that can compromise your mental and emotional health are those poor connections or attachments to your primary caregiver in early life, and the traumas or serious losses that you experienced in early life. And, you know, the learned helplessness that comes from negative experiences where you didn't have very much control when you were younger. And illnesses, especially if they were chronic or disabling. And then side effects from medications And substance abuse can also play a role in having uh, detriment to your mental and emotional health. Now, but whatever the internal factors or external factors that have shaped your mental and emotional health, it's never too late to make changes. So that's the good news. And changes can improve your psychological well-being. And risk factors can be counteracted with uh, protective factors like strong relationships and healthy lifestyle and coping strategies for managing stress. But if you've really made consistent effort to improve your mental and emotional health and you still don't feel good, then that's clearly a sign that it's time to seek some professional help. Professional, professional help. You know, because we're so socially attuned You know, input from knowledgeable and caring professionals can motivate us to do things for ourselves that maybe we weren't able to do on our own. So here's just a little list of red flag feelings and behaviors that may be indications for you that you may require or a loved one may require some attention from a medical professional. So inability to sleep, feeling down, hopeless or helpless most of the time, concentration problems that are interfering with your work or your home life, using nicotine, food, drugs, gambling, sex, or alcohol to cope with difficult emotions, 
negative or self-destructive thoughts or fears that you can't control. And certainly thoughts of death or suicide. So, you know, if you identify with any of these red flag symptoms, and they're not just something that is there one moment and gone or just a fleeting thought, but something that's consistent, then you might want to consider making an appointment to visit a mental health care professional and uh, see if uh, perhaps it would be time for you to get some help, some kind of treatment, or maybe just need to talk to somebody. You know, it really is a... uh, a very prevalent part of uh, our society, people suffering and struggling with mental health issues. And there is help available. So again, I'm encouraging you, encouraging you to seek help yourself, seek help for your loved ones, get people talking. And if they can't talk to you, then be okay with that and let them know that you'd be willing to help them find other people that they can speak with. I've certainly gone through that with a family member, uh, going through a time of obviously being depressed and asking and continually asking, you know, do you need help? Do you need help? And sometimes people just need to figure things out for themselves and there isn't really a clinical problem and it isn't a mental health issue that requires medication or treatment. Sometimes people just need support of a loved one to know that they're loved and cared for and they need to work things out within themselves. So just keep an eye. We need to all keep an eye out for each other so we can support each other in returning to balance, recovering our senses, and maintaining our mental and emotional equilibrium. So there's lots of programs innovative things going on, like I mentioned, with arts and music and things like that. There's programs for children and adolescents and teenagers where it's the children and adolescents and teenagers supporting each other and raising awareness and dispelling the myths and the stigma attached to mental illness. But sure as we're all living and breathing, we're all going to be challenged from time to time. So I encourage you to Give some thought. Think about what are strategies that you can use. Get your support systems in place before you're in a crisis so that you know what to do when it is that you may yourself be dealing with a no a life experience that's a little bit more than you can manage on your own. And as I mentioned, there's lots of good information on the net. Type in mental illness. Type in resources in your community. Check out community centers, mental health centers in the community. It's been a privilege, actually, to be able to speak about mental health today and hopefully to raise some awareness and dispel some of those myths because it's something that we all deal with in some way or another, whether it's in ourselves or in the people that we love or the people we work with or just in our society as a whole. So I thank you all for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until we have the next time to be together, I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. 
We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.